Watch out, Doc. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life we've got you covered this is doc talk with hans olsen on 97.5 and 1280 the zone and the zone sports network welcome back 97.5 1280 the zone it's doc talk and I've got one of the better doctors here in front of me, Dr. Dan Cushman. Dr. Cushman, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Man, it's great to get you back. It's been a little while. Brother, you've been biking. A little bit. I was yeah. talking to Hamilton here, and, and he said, yeah, so I pulled up, and Dr. Cushman was biking in. And I looked at the temperature. It was 96. You know doctors recommend to not bike in 96. <laughs> <laughs> like your own people recommend <laughs> against what you were doing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doctors don't know. A little heat exhaustion. It's not bad. <gasps> Hamilton, put that mic in front of you. So uh, one one of my good friends and and coworkers, Hamilton Day, he hangs out and he does so many great things for the Miller Group and. <laughs> he just mentioned a story. I'm hoping that it's actually as interesting as, as you made it sound. Um, so, Hamilton, you just mentioned to me that you were in, a, in some type of medical assistance in an airport in Malaysia? Yeah, well, actually, Philippines. But, yeah, pretty close. We, uh, My wife and I decided to take a trip to the Philippines back in May and... Um, we did a bunch of island hopping and on our last island, we had to fly out to go back to Manila, which is where we were going to catch our flight back. Anyways, the airport, there was this little, you know, uh, kind of dinky two gate airport, half inside, half outside. And it's a hundred and, you know, five degrees out and 90% humidity. So we're just dying. Anyways, we get to the point where we're like, Hey, we just need to get on the airplane. There's AC on there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be fine then. So finally, we're let out into this plane, and it's just sitting on the you know sitting on the runway. So we walk up, and not only is the AC off, the plane is off. Oh. So everyone loads up. What was the temperature? It was easily 105. Oh. So everyone loads onto the plane, all 120 of us or so, and then they close the doors. Oh man! <laughs> so we're all just baking in this metal tube in the hot Filipino sun. That's horrible. Oh, it was horrible. So everyone has their safety cards out, and they're just fanning themselves, trying to stay cool. Which all you're doing is wafting the stink into your face. Exactly. (laughs) And pushing the stink up your nose. And then this automated voice, so you can tell this has happened many times, this automated voice comes on and says, we apologize for the heat. It will get better as we gain altitude. And we're like, we're banking on altitude to cool us down? (laughs) So Were you starting to panic? Oh, I was, yeah. Was was kind of I'm, I'm starting to shout like, turn on the AC, you know, what are you doing? And Because um, you, you, know, you got you got Viking skin. Like, I'm looking at you, your Viking beard. Like, <laughs> if, if you get above 42 degrees, it's hot. Oh, I'm almost, yeah, yeah. I'm almost a day walker. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm burning at this point. So, yeah. you know, we're sitting in a pool of our own sweat. Uh-huh. And we finally take off. And I don't know what it was. I think it was just lack of... Um, you know, hydration and just insane heat. When we landed in Manila, I and it just hit me like a sack of bricks. And uh, <laughs> in this panicked walk, I headed straight towards this, uh, you know, the the medical the, tent. Well, the the yeah, the information desk, and I was like, "Where is your medic? You know, medical so specialist?" So you could feel it. Oh, I f- so they had two bathrooms in the waiting area. I ended up oh, having boy. to to yeah. use both. Yeah. 
And um, you were sick. Oh, I was sick to my stomach, and I was trying to, you know, play it nonchalant. You know, like I'm not just the only white guy around who's losing it. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> end up finding this medical clinic. They have me lay down on this tiny little cot, and you know, they're monitoring me to see if I can even fly. Yeah. And uh, luckily, luckily, my wife, my, you know, darling wife, went and found me some food that uh, you know I had a hard time keeping down. But uh-huh. even still, it, it did kind of help. And luckily, you know. Hand, hand of God type thing. I was yeah. able to get on the, the get on the plane. Was the place where you were laying down a little bit cooler? It was a little bit cooler. Yeah, um, not you know not bad. They luckily had AC, and uh, the people in broken English were trying to figure out what was wrong with yeah. me. And so I mean that was you know that was sketchy all around. Oh man, it, uh, you know I'm glad you actually brought this up. By the way, Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health. Dr. Cushman in the seat today. We take your phone calls, 855-340-9663, whatever issue you might be dealing with. We like to deal with, you know, I know, I, I believe Dr. Cushman, if I remember right, you deal with exoskeletal. Is that yeah, musculoskeletal? Okay, yeah. so you deal a lot in in that in that range, but really any issue, any injury out there. I know that you have a specialty in concussions too. Yeah, so uh, I work with some of the concussions too. Yeah, yeah. You and I have talked a lot about that. So, yeah. uh, really, anything that you're dealing with, maybe you were in a basketball game, a football game, maybe a car accident, a skiing or sledding accident. Give us a call eight five five three four zero nine six six three. Um, we don't take medical cards. We we don't make you wait in a walleye. We do, it's just you call and get right on with us and, and talk to the doctor. So give us a call. But with what uh, Hamilton was talking about, Dr. Cushman, what are some things we can do in this extreme heat? To, to Because I know heat exhaustion is a real thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. How, it's probably more common than we even know. But what should we look for with heat exhaustion if we're out in the long heat? And what kinds of things can we do to avoid it? Well, I think that, I mean... Apart from the obvious and, you know, making sure you drink enough and that kind of thing and staying in the shade as much as possible, I think a lot of times there's there's two things. One is kids. Kids don't know they're getting overheated most of the time. And so you got to be a little extra careful with kids. Um, that's number one. And number two is um, knowing the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So heat exhaustion is kind of like the earlier stuff. Heat stroke is the later Heat stroke is when things are really going south, and that that's a that's a medical so emergency. It, heat exhaustion, and then heat stroke. Exactly. Okay. So exhaustion is when you're like you know you're you're just exhausted, you're sweating like crazy. So that's probably what Hamilton was yeah. going through. Stroke, heat stroke is when your body kind of shuts down. So you, when you stop sweating, when you suddenly get really cold and everything, even though you're in the middle of the sun, those kind of things, those are getting really serious. So is you that gotta, where you were starting to hit? Yeah, that's where I was at yeah. because I remember it like you know it was not obviously cold but i was getting the cold shivers yeah and i was like you know i I couldn't sit still but i couldn't also move and so it it was just this weird yin and yang of what do i do you know yeah it it was it was pretty miserable so if you are starting to feel that what you i mean and there's let's say there's not ac available Mm -hmm. or let's say there's limited ac what kinds of things can you do to avoid getting into a dangerous yeah so to so if you get to that point you got to call 911 but if if you're to get to avoid getting to that um you know if you have water like in this kind of climate where there's not much humidity water does wonders just pour water on somebody like it's amazing if you're in the philippines water doesn't do anything because it doesn't evaporate like the the whole all the humidity is just water in the air but out here you can do that get in the shade um you know kind of cover if you don't have shade use some have somebody hold something over someone's head that kind of stuff so anything you can to just get the sun off of them get them to cool down um and of course like stop them from doing activity 
Man, that's scary. Yeah. So how long did it take you to totally recover from that? Uh, I'd say it took me about probably two days, yeah. really. Um, the next day, I did start to feel better. Like I said, I was able to make it on the fl- uh, on the flight. But then, um, so actually after that, we went to Japan. And probably the whole next day, I was... I was just kind of out of commission. I couldn't. I had a hard time kind of getting up, getting moving. Uh, a lot you know, of fatigue. Huh? A lot of fatigue. I mean, we wanted to go explore, mm-hmm. but I'd go a couple blocks and then just kind of need to sit down and wow. just just take take a load uh, off. Is it true, doctor, that it leaves you more susceptible once you've suffered? Yeah, and so so like as an example, a few years ago, um, the uh, the the collegiate track and fe- or sorry collegiate cross country championships were being held in tucson and um you can mm-hmm. imagine how warm tucson is oh, yeah. so that year a lot of the terrible g- place to hold that event yeah <laughs> well, especially <laughs> the seen it coming. Uh, well sometimes it's 70 degrees there and it's perfect and yeah. other times it's 90 and so um that that particular area was one of those 95 year, five degree and everybody knows it going in that it could be dangerous and so they, they do all that stuff but even with that some of the girls will get heat exhaustion and once they get it, it does. It takes several days to kind of get over that. And if you get to the point of heat stroke, that can cause organ damage mm. and all sorts of things. So you really want to avoid mm. that. Hamilton, thanks for the story, man. I'm glad you're okay, buddy. Glad you're back in the Doc Talk studios with us. Oh, it's good to be back. <laughs> 855-340-9663 to jump on and talk with Dr. Cushman. And I, I got to let you know that these physicians that we have in here on Doc Talk on a biweekly basis, these are the guys that work with the Utah Jazz. They work with the University of Utah football team, track and cross country. I think, Dr. Cushman, if I remember right, you work with their track and cross country. Yeah. Um, gymnastics team. These are the physicians that work with the highest level athletes. And the great thing is, you have access to them. I think a lot of people think, well, that's uh, you know, that's the jazz doctors or that's the University of Utah athletic department doctors. No, these are guys that you have access to at the University of Utah Health and those great clinics. So take advantage of that and take advantage of Doc Talk. 855-340-9663. You ready to jump out to the phone lines, Doc? Sure. All right, let's go to Landon. You're up first with Dr. Cushman Landon. Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question about a torn shoulder labrum. Mm-hmm. I was told today that I it requires surgery, and I'm curious if there's any alternatives and recovery time and really what to expect coming out of that. Yeah, um, so labrums are, just for the listeners out there, that's the, so if you have the ball in the socket of the shoulder, the socket has kind of a suction cup around it, and that's the labrum. And so when that gets torn, sometimes it creates kind of an unstable shoulder. And uh, there's there's many different ways that that can happen. Um, for you in particular, did it happen like you did something to it, or it started to bother you slowly? Like, what? Wh- how, why is it hurting? I was throwing a baseball and threw it too hard, and... It actually just, it, there was kind of a pop, a mm-hmm. little bit of a pop and some pain. And so I stopped throwing that day and I threw a little bit later. Um, like, and I, and I can still throw, but it's very, it's unstable. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny. Really like uh, fast movements are excruciating huh. on it. So if I'm trying to slap it up uh, to push something away or if someone throws something at me or if I drop it and try to catch it. It's the quick twitch type stuff that really, really will get me. Gotcha. Um, so I decided to have it looked at. 
Yeah, and so with labrums, um, this is not your case, but for a lot of people, if you look at people who are, say, 40 years old and you take 100 people who have no shoulder pain, a lot of them, maybe I don't know the exact number, say 40 or 50, are going to have labral tears. So labral tears by themselves don't really mean that much if you didn't do something to it. But in your case, it sounds like you really did. And so it's actually very common for baseball pitchers to get this exact thing you're talking about. And um, in general, you know, you should see a sports medicine surgeon or shoulder surgeon um, for that. I unfortunately just don't do the surgery, so I couldn't give you the exact details of the the recovery. But they are a lot easier than than surgeries such as the rotator cuff surgeries, the rotator cuff repairs. They do the heal labrum a more is a more the actual surgery takes less time in general to recover than those rotator cuff surgeries. So it, it's it, it can usually be done arthroscopically depending on the type of surgery that do, you need to do too. So from what I understand, labrums have different levels of tear? Yes. And and it's not only that. If you think about like a labrum being a suction cup, you know, you could think of it, you know, it's like a circle. That circle can be torn and anywhere along it. So it can be the top, the bottom, the left, the right, that kind of thing. And so it really depends on where that's torn. And the one that you're probably talking about is usually right on the top of it. And it's where you've got a tendon attaching. And so Mm -hmm. that one is probably the one. And and that one, there's different grades. It gets really gray area depending on what it is. Can you tear a labrum from a shot or is it typically a throw like Landon's talking about? It can be all sorts of things. So you can, um, a lot of like, I've seen a few linemen, for example, pushing into somebody and then their shoulder gets pushed back. That can tear the labrum a lot of throwing overhead motion stuff tennis players those kind of things too yeah landon what else can we help you with bud that's it you guys did great thanks so much for your help yeah good luck on that yeah is that uh it okay let's say i tear my labrum tomorrow is that something i can sit on is that something i have to have surgically repaired um i would say you do not have to have it repaired Um, The question is going to be kind of what your function is afterwards. So for most of the labrums, um, if you you were somebody who's going to occasionally play tennis with your your kids or something like that, pickleball, you definitely don't need it repaired, depending on what it is. if it's a really serious one, you might, but most of them, you can actually just let them heal. Um, sometimes just physical therapy will get it better, so you don't even really need to, to do it. That opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663 to jump on with Dr. Cushman. That's 855-340-9663. So you got the rotator cuff, you got the labrum. Is uh, What other parts are there in the shoulder? So to me, here's how I think about it. You got ball and socket. I feel like everyone can visualize that. Is that considered the rotator cuff? So no, ball and socket are going to be the two bones. So the the socket comes off your shoulder blade. The ball is your humerus, the upper upper arm bone. So you got those two. Then you got cartilage over those two, like the end of a chicken bone, that that white stuff. That's cartilage. Then the labrum is the suction cup that kind of holds that ball into the socket. Hmm. Now, the rotator cuff is different than all of Those are four muscles that turn into tendons, and those tendons all attach right on that ball. And their job is really to hold the ball into the socket. If you didn't have them, the ball would just fall off. Oh, okay. And so that, the thing is, because your arm can move in so many motions, it's very easy to injure those. And so they're just very susceptible to injury. What's the most common? Is it rotator cuff? Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, and the thing is, most rotator cuff injuries, we hear about rotator cuff, and we're like, oh, that's a bad one. 90% of them are actually not bad. Okay, so as a football player, I was always taught to fear an AC separation. Mm-hmm. It, what, what is that connected into the shoulder? Yeah, and it's a slightly different thing. So the shoulder blade, if one side is the ball and socket, 
the other side is what attaches to your collarbone. And so the, where your collarbone attaches, like the little bump that's above your shoulder, that's the AC joint. And so that's where you get shoulder separation. That's usually, you know, you fall on it or something like that. Or like you always see a quarterback get sack lands on a shoulder. Yeah. That's it. A lot of AC separations. Yeah. And what I understand is you can play through those as long as you can deal with the pain. Usually, yeah. Yeah, it depends. If they're really bad, no. But most of them, yeah, you can just play through. 855-340-9663. What's the most damaging injury in the shoulder? Hmm. Of I the mean, ones that we just talked about. Um, if you... Uh, have a massive rotator cuff tear. I think that's the one that's going to take the longest to recover and is going to be really tough uh, surgically. 855-340-9663 to jump on Doc Talk with us. Dr. Dan Cushman in studio hanging out with us. We're going to go over some other issues. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about Achilles tendons, and we got some other things that we want to get to. Um, if you're out there, you're injured, you need a little bit of help, I want you to go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. You can find all of our great physicians, or you can call 801-587-2222. Then we've got the clinics that we'll talk about a little bit later as well. In fact, you know what? Before we jump out to break, uh, let's do this really quick um, as our callers come in. So we saw Kevin Durant tear an mm-hmm. Achilles, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about the Achilles since this has happened. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put this in the plans to get to. He tears a full rupture of the Achilles, and you look at his build, you know, that slender kind of light build. You look at his age, um, still in his 20s, right? No, early 20s. Th- early, yeah, early, early 30s. Yeah. Early 30s. He's right there in that range. What's the likelihood of him coming back with the same level of agility? I would say this is is a little bit of a crystal ball, but to me, I think it's probably not likely that he's going to be at the exact same level that he was before. I think it's pretty, and, and a big part of it is when you have those Achilles tears, you know, your Achilles are attached to your calf muscles, and if you if you if you do anything where you're not walking for six months, those calf muscles are just not going to do very good. So you get, I mean, if you take away the the actual tissue and everything from the Achilles, just taking that time is pretty tough. And so if you take any athlete and you sit them down for six months, they don't use that leg. Um, it's pretty hard. And it's not six months, but um, it, it takes a while till you get back to that level. So that's one of the big things. And then the other thing is when they do the surgeries, they have to get it perfect. So if they overstretch it or make it too short, it can really change the mechanics and everything like that. So it's a it's a tough, tough one to go over. So you wouldn't count on him being the same Kevin Durant when he hits I the I probably corner. wouldn't, no. Wow. Yeah. It, it, does it help with him being such a frail build? That's a good question. Like if I it was know. like That's DeMarcus Cousins going yeah. back through, you know, you, you know that yeah. it just hasn't gone as well as people had hoped yeah. to see his – and I know it was a quick return and all those things, but – that there is definite default in in his game. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I don't know. I really don't know. To me, it, it would seem like somebody who has a, a slighter build is probably going to have a little harder time just because they don't have much reserve. Interesting. I guess, but I don't. I don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Um, obviously, you, you still have Boston taking a uh, or Brooklyn taking a really big risk yeah. on him. You know, yeah. signing him the way they did. It is. I don't know. I, I personally, I think anybody in the NBA, I, I got to imagine the Jazz would have done it if they could have. Yeah. You know, yeah. give a max contract, bring him in, and hope that Achilles heals. But yeah, yeah, definitely worry about it. You know what? Let's jump out of the phone lines, and then we'll take quick break. Josh, you're up next with Dr. Cushman. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a question about a concussion. 
Yeah. So I I came off a, a horse last year, and my head went through my arm, broke my arm, but I got a concussion. And they checked me at the hospital, but I just never have gone back to check. And my wife gets mad at me because I have somewhat slight things that I don't remember and headaches and just wondering what what's the best thing to do to work through a concussion how long ago was that uh a year just over a year ago um and how old are you 44 ever have one before no not that i know of nothing like nothing this one major. i know this one was bad yeah. So, you know, there, so there's a couple of ways we deal with these. So when you first have it, we deal with them differently than when you've had it for a long time. So there's something called post-concussion syndrome when you've had it for a long time. And that's basically just simply means you still got symptoms, even though it's been going on, even though your concussion was a long time ago. So most people, when they get a concussion, if you treat it right, sit them down, make them rest, um, slowly build up the exercise, they're usually better within a week or two. Um, but if, you, if you're one of the unlucky ones where it's just not getting better over time, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, and there's a couple things is like, number one, I'm a, I'm a little younger than you, I'm about your age. I forget things all the time. And so, you know, just some <laughs> of the things of like, you know, that stuff happens and, and, you know, you don't notice it until you had the concussion and stuff like that. So, so there's that side of it. But then also the headaches and those kind of things that can also come from like problems with your neck, um, but it could come from the concussion too. So usually what we do is we kind of do an evaluation, check everything out. And a lot of times the, the whole paradigm has shifted a little bit to where now we're, we're actually um, using the physical therapist a little bit more because um, they can do things like um, work on the neck. They can... Um, um, try to identify triggers, vestibular things, meaning how you're how you're moving in space, how you um, how your inner ears working, those kind of things. So there's a lot of different things that can be used for that, um, but it really kind of boils down to each individual person. So we usually got to check you out for it. Josh, how long ago was yeah. your concussion? Uh, last last year, and I would say I think it was in first part of June. So almost exactly a year, maybe just a little bit more than a year ago. Yeah, just about 13 months, maybe. Seems like a long time to be yeah. dealing with that, Dr. Cushman. Yeah, and in general, like I said, the concussions usually get better, but you know, maybe 10% are, are kind of lasting out to where you are right now. And, um, and, and the problem is there's just so many things that can contribute to it. Um, it's like when somebody you know, doesn't feel good you know, and they have a cold, that, that feeling like it's just not a specific thing. There's so many things that can make you feel like that. Headaches are the same way where there's so many things that can contribute to that, and it just becomes challenging to figure those out. Does, they, yeah. So does it, Matt, does it like affect your, your hearing? Can a concussion do that, like hearing loss or just – Conceivably, yeah. Thing. Yeah, it depends on okay. it depends on how it was injured, how you were injured, and so um, that would be kind of part of the evaluation. But yeah, you can definitely injure some of those those kind of um, inner ear and um, and brain components from it. All right, yeah, because that's all stuff that I deal with. Like, she, I can't hear certain things. Jeez. Like, and she, she, I get people saying that I'm just not listening to them, but I just like background noises, like. I pick up background noises more than I pick up a conversation. Yeah, sometimes. from that, from those kind of symptoms, it, it would make me wonder if it would be worth um, seeing a, an ear, nose, and throat, or, or an audiologist, somebody to kind of get a background of, of how how you're hearing. And a lot of times, that can give us clues as to kind of what's going on. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, good well, luck. Thank you, guys. You bet, Josh. Good luck on that, man. I ho hopefully you can get that thing resolved. 
and appreciate the call. That opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663. Whatever you're dealing with, we'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, Josh was calling in about a concussion. Dr. Cushman does uh, excel in concussions. He's uh, he's really in-depth in that field. So we'd love to take those questions on any of those things, 855-340-9663. So he possibly could have fell and damaged his eardrum. Yeah, well, and honestly, it's usually more more the inner ear part, which is like the um, you got a whole bunch of whole bunch of little things in mm-hmm. there, and those can all get injured from that. Some of them are reversible, some are irreversible, and it kind of depends on what it was. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Josh. We'll take more calls coming up next on Doc Talk. Hans Olsen on 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You know, we don't usually break big news on uh, The Zone, or sorry, Doc Talk. We do break big news on The Zone, but this is pretty big news coming down from the NBA. It is official, Russell Westbrook has been traded to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul and a 2024-2026 first-round pick as well as pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. So again, if you're just tuning in, a little bit of NBA breaking news here on Doc Talk with Dr. Dan Cushman. Thunder trading Russell Westbrook to Houston, oh boy, for Chris Paul and two first-round picks as well as pick swaps in 21 and 25. So you're going to have Russell Westbrook next to James Harden. Are there enough possessions in an NBA game for those two? Like, if you thought Chris Paul and James Harden were irritating together, now picture Russell Westbrook and James Harden together. Yeah. Oh, this is not going to work. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work. No. Like, Harden needs the possessions. He needs full ball control. Chris Paul didn't need full ball control. Harden has to have it in his hands, in possession, yeah. in the lane, you know, dribble search, dribble drive, all those kinds of things that he does, step back threes. In the meantime, Westbrook's going to have it. You can't have two basketballs on a court. I'm blanking. What was the name of the, the head coach for the uh, for the Rockets? Yeah, Mike D'Antoni. So the I, current one. Yeah. Have you heard? Have you heard his um, any of any of his interviews about when they always ask him about Harden and, and kind of like the ego and everything like that? Oh yeah. Can you imagine now? Oh man, it's going to be yeah unbearable. The two of these guys are going to be unbearable. Yeah. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three to jump on Doc Talk with us. That's eight five five three four zero nine six six three. If you're dealing with any medical issues concussions or otherwise we'd love to have you jump on air with us uh and and ask those questions to dr cushman we'll see if we can get you headed on the path of recovery by the way if you do need a physician any type of sports medicine physician or otherwise you can go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org that's sportsmed.uofuhealth.org Dr. Cushman, we were talking about concussions just uh, during the break, and it just feels like there is still so much we don't understand about concussions mm-hmm. and and what type of damage we do to our brains in serious impact. You were talking about the types of concussions that do the most damage. Help people understand what you what you were talking about. Yeah, and and, and I feel like a lot of times people will come in, have a concussion, and and most of the time, like especially you know high school, college. 
it's kind of like, yeah, they made me come in. I'm fine. I'm good. And uh, and and the reason that we're we're uh, we as doctors are a little more hesitant is because we see the bad ones, and the bad ones pretty much across the board are somebody had a concussion, they didn't get better yet, and then they get another concussion. So that can be like literally the same game, but that can also be even a few days later, that kind of thing. Those are the ones that we see where it takes them forever to get better. They got headaches, they got to drop out of school, they get all sorts of these problems, depression, like suicidality, all these real big problems. And if we would have just held them out a little longer or they would have told their coach like, hey, I got a concussion, um, those kind of things can be somewhat prevented. And so that's why we're so big on really making sure people are back to normal before we let them back in competition. So that's why it's gotten so – it's so touch and go. Yeah. Um, I, I know that there's a fear of misdiagnosing concussions too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, what, are, what are some things like as a parent – if a kid comes home and they're like, hey, I hit my head really hard at volleyball or at basketball or football – as, as a parent, what are some things that we can look for, be aware of? That's a good question. I think that, you know, the bad things usually are pretty obvious. So, you know, they're having a hard time wake up, that they, they, they can't move a limb, like, you know, those kind of things. Those are pretty obvious. It's really more the grayer ones that are hard ones. You know, they hit their head, they're a little out of it, they're a little foggy, they can't quite remember what they needed to do for the day, those kind of things. To me, you can probably assume they have a concussion. That doesn't mean it's going to be a bad one or anything like that, but it's better to just err on the side of saying, all right, you might have a concussion, and then give it a little bit of time, let it recover, and then you're going to be much better off. If you just say, no, it can't be a concussion, that's when problems happen. But then there are going to be those times where somebody gets hit on the head, hurts a little bit, they're fine. So it's the way I, I think the best way to look at a concussion is you get hit in the head or you know something happens to you. You don't have to necessarily get like knocked on the head, but your head moves really quickly. And then you get symptoms from it. Meaning, you know, it could be anything from like really fuzzy to a bad headache to some people will black out. Any of those kind of things where they're getting new symptoms, that's a concussion. Um, but it can, it's never as easy as that a lot of the time when you're seeing them. So to me, I think that um, if you just have a concern, just, just assume they do. And, then, and, and usually we recommend you get it checked out. But it, even if you don't get it checked out, just kind of take it a lot easier for them. You know, we're about to get into kids' camps for, for Little League football mm-hmm. and, and other football. Those things are coming up pretty quickly. And you don't have a physician at practices. Right. And you've got these kids that are seventh, eighth grade. They've got their coaches out there. Coaches are trying to pay attention, but you know sometimes it's pretty difficult for them to keep an eye on forty-five, fifty kids. Are there things as as a parent? Are there things that that we can do to help prevent them? Are there things that we can do if they if they come home? Are there tests that we can try to run with them outside of watching for the symptoms? But because I know that there are tests out there now. Or yeah. Are, are there things that we can do to try to help in those situations? I think that I, I don't think people know of a great way to prevent them. Um, you know, the, the, the tackling technique, stuff like that. That's obviously. That, that's about it. Yeah. But other than that, no. We don't really have too much that I'm, uh, that I'm aware of, I should say. Are, are better helmets helping? Are we finding that? We don't think so yeah, that that's much. What, yeah. I know that yeah. they've dumped millions of dollars into yeah. helmet technology. You know how I think of it as I think of it like an egg. If your brain is the yolk, no matter what shell you have around it, if you shake it, that yolk's still going to move around. It's still moving. Yeah. And so, you know, it's better if you min- diminish that impact. So I think 
you know, if you're going to hit someone in the, I would, if you're going to get hit in the head, yeah, it'd be better to have a helmet on. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't mean that you're invincible, that you can now just go spearing people and you're going to be good to go, that kind of thing. So, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing to think of right? because you see all these advancement in equipment, in equipment thinking, well, football is just going to get better because yeah. they're putting millions of dollars into research to try to make better equipment. But it's, it's a common thought of oh, it's a brain surrounded by water. Yeah. Unless you can take the water out, stop yeah. the movement. Exactly. It's just going to keep moving. Exactly. That's uh, a scary thought. Um, and then, are there tests that we can run with our kids? So they have their their tests like impact test, which is one that the NFL uses. None of them are great. Um, to me, a, a concussion is really not something that you can say there's one thing that's wrong and therefore you have a concussion because there's so many symptoms you could have, and that's what makes it a little bit challenging. And so I, I think that that there probably isn't one thing you could do, but just listen to your kid if you're like, I don't feel good. And I got hit in the head. Like that to me is the number one okay. thing. You're listening to Dr. Cushman here on Doc Talk 97.5, 12 into the zone, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Let's jump out to the phone lines and go to Evan. You're up next with Dr. Cushman. Go ahead, Evan. Yes, I've got a question about shoulder pain and numbness in the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was driving some uh, steel posts in the ground with kind of a heavy driver that you lift up and down probably weighs 40 pounds and uh put in 10 or 20 of those no big deal the next day my shoulder started hurting and uh a few days later anytime i have my arm kind of forward the whole back of my arm and my hand goes numb i ride a bicycle a lot in that uh, position that keeps going numb and uh, sitting at a desk, reaching for my mouse, that position of just touching my mouse, the hand keeps going numb. Hmm. What do I need to worry about? <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like a car- carpal tunnel syndrome or yeah. something I've had before with my hand. But but uh, function is good, strength is good. Uh, pain seems to be getting less. I've been treating with a lot of ibuprofen. But that numbness keeps coming for a couple of weeks now. So if, 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 if you feel pain from your shoulder down to your hand... I would say the most common thing is actually a pinched nerve in the neck, um, even if you don't have neck pain. So a lot of the mm-hmm. times you can get, it's, it's called, the, the full name is radiculopathy, and it just means a pinched nerve in the neck. Um, your C6 or your C7 nerve can get pinched, and it causes really similar pain in that distribution kind of down the, the back of the arm. Um, most of those will get better, actually, with time. Um, if you come in to see a doc like me, nine times out of ten we won't get x-rays. We won't even, we'll just kind of do an evaluation, make sure that's what it is, and then um, work on some physical therapy, actually. So most of the time, those will get better. The big things to watch out for are really if you start getting weak or the pain starts getting worse. Like, you, you really got to get check, get that checked out, um, especially the weakness. If it gets weaker and weaker, it may never come back, so you got to check, get checked out right away. How old are you, Evan? I am 62. Is that something where age makes a difference? Seen it in everyone from 20 to 80-year-olds. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a, no, a full range. As, yeah. as far as pain goes, it's only in the shoulder, just right at the angle of the shoulder or whatever. So the arm and hand doesn't hurt. It just feels like I've been sitting with my legs crossed and has gone numb. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm walking with my arm down, it doesn't hurt at all. Uh, I get on my bike. I do a lot of biking. And uh, when I've got my hands on the hood, so they're just kind mm-hmm. of forward a little bit, 
that hand will go numb. And again, when I'm pushing my mouse at my computer desk, the hand goes numb. When that happens, the pain is just in the shoulder. Does the arm go numb when when you're doing those motions or just the hand? The the back of the arm from just below the elbow down to the hand feels numb. The front side of it, the palm side doesn't. So just the back of it and then most of the back of the hand and I, I can't say the palm side really feels numb. But yeah, it's just kind of a tingle, tingle feeling. Yeah, to which me, which I assume is a nerve getting pinged. Exactly, and if you say it feels kind of like carpal tunnel, that sounds like a nerve. And to me, um, I think I, I would still bet on that. There are still a couple other things you can get a pinched nerve in the shoulder, but they're pretty rare. Um, and it, and it, there's still a chance that you get kind of a numb feeling from a shoulder injury. But most of the time, if you get that that kind of uh, pins and needly nervy kind of stuff, it's probably a pinched nerve, and most likely from the neck. More like the neck. So my my wife is all concerned about it. I'm like, well, I'm working, so I'll just keep going, give it a few weeks, and see what happens. But uh, do I need to get worried and go get it seen, or just give it a while? I, you know, if it was me and it was getting better day by day, and you weren't getting weak, I think it's reasonable to keep an eye on it. Okay. Okay. But yeah. if it intensifies, oh, yeah. Then- and especially any weakness, you got to get checked out right away if you start getting weak. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not having any weakness, Evan. No, none at all. I'm, I'm an old fart, but uh, I'm pretty strong and <laughs> and keep biking too. Do whatever I need to do. Awesome. Yeah, I keep biking. Well, yeah. pay pay close attention to it if you if you feel that weakness or you know if if it intensifies, then get in and get something figured out here. And I'll tell you, Doctor Cushman would be a great one to go see, Evan. Okay, thank you very much. You bet, man. Thanks for calling eight five five three four zero. Nine six six three, and you said age. It just doesn't matter. Twenty to eighty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they happen in every age group, pretty much. Like it's it, it, even in even some of like the, the the high schoolers can get this sort of thing. Even believe it or not. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back see if we can get to one or two more phone calls, and we'll wrap it up. It's Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Doc Talk with Hans Olsen on 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. we got some business we got to get to really quick. Uh, the Movie Zone is going to be coming on right after Doc Talk. I think they're talking The Lion King, so it should be a really good one. Adrian Leiser and Austin Horton. Let's get out to the phone line, see if we can sneak one more question into Dr. Cushman. Dave, you're up with Dr. Cushman. Go ahead, man. Hi, Dr. Christman. Um, I had two sons playing youth football, and I heard earlier that you had said uh, that uh, they really can't, but we'd go and get helmets at like Big Five or whatever, because on Saturdays we'd go in there and uh, um, the helmets just don't fit. Them. They're just hitting me down from. Uh, and this is up in Northern Utah. Um, also, I wanted to ask you about as well about concussions. I was taught that if your son, that both played football, if you shine a light on their eye and their pupil doesn't dilate, then you start worrying. Is that correct? I, yeah, that that is true. 
that is true that um, you know if the uh, if the pupil doesn't dilate, um, but it's it's really not the only thing, um, and so I th- I think that 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 particular test like, that is something that you could do at home, um, but honestly, if it's at the point where the pupils aren't dilating, that's a bad thing. That's high level yeah. concussion. Yeah. Is that something doctors do? I don't remember having that test. I remember having a, a doubles test. You know, if I was seeing doubles, but. Mm-hmm. I don't remember having. A, oh no, you know, I, I do remember having an eye flash. Sometimes test. we sometimes we do that, yeah. And and all they're looking for is for the pupil to react to the light. Yeah, yeah. And so so if you have if you have some pretty bad brain brain injury, um, the pupils aren't reacting very well. But that's you said that that's, that's kind of a, higher, a pretty bad one, yeah. higher level concussion. Yeah. Something you might see in a car accident. Yeah, and and they, they have some some research where they're looking to see if there's like minor things that you can pick up with it too. But that's still research to me. If you're looking for a physician to get some help, sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. That's sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. Dr. Cushman, thank you so much for coming in with Thank us. you. We'll be back on Doc Talk, I believe, in two weeks. So two weeks from now, back on Doc Talk. So if you didn't get your question in this week, then you can join up with us in two Thursdays, and we'll have the doctors back on air. You don't even have to get out your credit card, your insurance card. We just take the phone call, help you with the questions right here on Doc Talk 97.5, 12 to the zone on the Zone Sports Network.